0: Be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Every morning, you become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily, here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast.
1: New Zealand wants to tax people when cows burp, I guess.
0: <laughs> really is there an article or something you got
1: safe 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 dean posted something and i just retweeted it but it i guess the headline is that this new zealand draft plan to tackle greenhouse gas emissions may be hard to stomach okay it doesn't say exactly but yeah it's like you know the farts and the burps and everything else coming out of uh cows and other protein sources I guess that's just one more, you know, uh, um, attempt to have us eat bugs and stuff.
2: <laughs> have any of you even given bugs a chance? When was the last time you even tried a mealworm sandwich?
0: <laughs> I mean, I are- you know. No, to, <laughs> to be fair, I, I've never
2: done that. Sounds go. pretty gross, <laughs> you, though. They're called mealworms for a reason.
1: Hey, there's a difference between survival and normalcy.
2: (laughs) You just don't know how to prepare them, right?
1: I'm not feeling it, man.
2: (laughs) I spoke to someone who told me that they had eaten grasshoppers. And and this is a very um, influential uh, person in the Bitcoin space, very, very favorably looked upon. Not that... He was intending to eat them ever again, but he said that they actually t- like they were grilled on the beach in some country and that they tasted like uh, shrimp uh, so that they had kind of their tails had the same texture and like shrimp, if you removed all the legs and wings <laughs> and crunchy bits, um, they, would, they would be similar. But in his case, he didn't. He found the crunchy bits, not probably the same as if you didn't remove the crunchy bits from the shrimp. I'm not advocating for eating a pugs here. I'm merely trying to present objective, what little objective knowledge I have, which is very no.
0: I'm a pretty open-minded guy. I mean, I'll try almost anything at least once. Doesn't mean I'll do it again.
2: Are any of you old enough to remember when sushi suddenly appeared and it seemed like the craziest thing? Raw fish? Are you out of your mind? That was like the initial reaction everybody had to sushi.
0: I'm partially Hawaiian. So I grew up in Hawaii as a little kid. So I was exposed to all that stuff from the very beginning.
2: But they marketed it as, um, as like gourmet food for the elite. And it was in the movie wall street and they had like sushi. It was, and that was, uh, something fancy that bankers ate. The rest of us had really never tried it before. Normal cause who would eat a piece of raw fish? Let alone lots of different. I think we we thought it would make us sick, right? Like you got to cook your food. That was the idea up until sushi came along.
0: All right, quick story. So I used to, um, I used to go over to China quite a bit for a couple of years. I went over there when I launched my first gold fund and was um, working on gathering capital in that market. And uh, one of the banks that we were courting would take us out to lunch and. I don't know if you guys know what a sea cucumber is, but it's like a um it it kind of resembles the shape of a cucumber, but it's soft and squishy. It's like a gigantic slug basically that
2: lives Blech. in salt water. I've seen them, never eaten them. Yeah.
0: They're pretty they're pretty disgusting. Like if you if you touch them, they're like squishy and soft and they're pretty gross but anyway so we were, so over in China however this is a uh, it's considered a delicacy like you said Tomer like only the wealthy people eat them and um you know it's one of those things where
1: you don't want to offend your hosts <laughs> so yeah gross do you do you miss Hawaii man i love you know i love Hawaii going there at least
0: I do. I um I miss Hawaii and um I'm really saddened by kind of the direction that they're going over there. They've become very communist as a as a like the politicians over there. I don't know what their deal is, but it saddens me.
1: Yeah, I have seen that part of it. I mean, we went there on our honeymoon and been there like eight times since then, but haven't been since COVID, you know,
3: unfortunately. morning fellas
1: morning morning everybody morning ant morning ant morning dark
0: tetrad
4: you you guys remember when they were and uh, they the media was trying to make fun of the bitcoin community because we tell each other good morning big lols
2: i don't remember
0: were that. they really doing that yep they were like you can't, you, you know, you can't say good morning That's such a to dark
2: tetrad thing to do, to say good morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Such psychopaths.
1: I looked it up. There is a light, dark trad of some sort. So,
2: <laughs> All right. Great on doing the research. Share, if you have, unless we're ready to get yeah, it's I, 10 I,
1: I don't honestly remember, but I, yeah, it's, you know, think of kind of, I guess, positive versions of, of the three things on the dark triad, but humility or something like that was one of them.
4: <laughs> more, uh, more justification to take these ridiculous titles they try to give us and just weaponize it against them. Just like how uh, Vitalik tried to you know, use Bitcoin maximalism as a negative. Good joke.
0: It's an age-old tactic in the military. Like, whatever uh, anybody tries to give you crap about, you just fully embrace it.
1: I do that sometimes when people say really like mean stuff on, on a tweet or some, or response to a tweet, I'll just like it, you know, and like kill them with kindness.
4: Yep. It's also uh, for any of the parents or children that are listening. Uh, it's also a good tactic to fend off like bullying in high school and middle school. I had to deal with that personally. So I, I can, I can attest it's a very effective strategy.
0: Yeah, they got nothing, right? I taught my I taught my sons that very early in life. It's like, look, if somebody starts making fun of you, like fully embrace it. In fact, take whatever they're doing and like X five it. And they've got nothing. They got nothing.
5: Yeah, I was bullied a lot in high school, like pretty much all through school. And uh because I was smaller. Like they moved me up into a grade like ahead. So I was it was fine all the way up until like seventh or you know, grade, and then I was, like, smaller than everybody else. And uh, then in high school was awful. And I cut a mohawk one day and, like, just stopped caring about it. And like you said, I didn't, I wouldn't say that I, like, embraced it, like I, but I just, like, didn't care anymore and went a completely different direction. I completely opted out of, like, trying to fit in with those guys anymore. And then I got all these friends. It was crazy. Everybody wanted to hang out with me. And like everybody was always trying to find out what, what I was doing. It was crazy. At the end like see? my last yep. years, like everybody wanted to hang out. It was awesome. You see
0: that, kids? All you need to do is cut a mohawk. Listen and, to your uncle
5: and, aunt.
4: And <laughs> Alex, the beautiful the beautiful part of that, and the beautiful part of like us correlating it to Bitcoin is that is exactly what TradeFi is doing right now. Like they're in the process of going, Oh, wait, the, the these Bitcoiners like don't care and like their value proposition is actually proving effective and real like maybe we should start hanging out with them more
0: that's pretty hilarious (laughs) some really cool things going on today guys um i put a couple of things up in the nest so Deloitte did a survey. Eighty-seven percent of U.S. merchants plan to accept ex- Bitcoin and crypto within two years.
4: Which means, Alex, which, which which means that they are working on it today, right? Because they can't just you can't just willy nilly do this stuff in like a couple weeks or a couple months.
0: Actually, you can now with Ibex Mercado. I've been talking to those guys. Like, we might do some kind of collaboration with them. It's early days yet, but uh, Ibex Mercado is pretty interesting, man. Apparently, you can sign up as a business without providing a whole ton of information to those guys. All you need is a wallet address. Five, ten minutes, and you can accept Bitcoin over Lightning.
1: Yeah, if you don't put in a bank account, you basically have
4: KYC-free Bitcoin. Interesting. Okay. Well, that that makes my point pretty moot. But um, I guess I guess the only thing that would defend that claim would be like educating their staff, but even then that can be done in a couple weeks.
0: But see, they thought about that too. Like what they do is they you create this basically a master account, so to speak. And then they give you URLs that you can share with your people, your employees, your staff, your helpers, your whatever. And they can just put it on their phone. So they go on their phone, they put this URL in, they go to this web, Page basically, which is a terminal. You put in an amount for an invoice, it creates a QR code and bang, done.
4: That is awesome. I'm uh, <laughs> I love being wrong when it comes to Bitcoin. Like I I really do.
1: It's great for restaurants and stuff like that. You know, at Miami 2022, they had like 41 restaurants there in Miami that were using Ibex Pay. It's really cool.
0: Can, can you imagine? I mean, think about the path to Visa MasterCard. Like Tomer and I have joked about this in the past, right? Where it used to be these mechanical machines where you did the swipey thing and it would do this huge noise and it would literally imprint on freaking carbon paper your receipt. Right, and then it moved to electronic point of sale systems, which still exist today. I mean, they've been getting more and more streamlined, but I mean, you don't even need those anymore. All you need is a phone.
4: Alex, can you do that name or that name? That name. Can you do that sound again? That the card makes.
0: No, when I do sound effects, it's it. Those are what. No, I'm sorry, man. You're going to have to (laughs) hang out long enough to hear it again in another discussion.
4: Fine.
5: It is so it's amazing. cool like this is happening at the same time like in parallel as jack's you know ncr partnership that he had announced you know and we said that was going to take some time to to get out there but it's you know we hear people say slowly then suddenly
6: this yeah, is I- like
5: you're seeing it like this is what we're talking about this thing is going to turn on so fast people's heads are going to swim and this whole fud about no one takes it no merchants takes it that's going to Go away, of course, but then it's going to be replaced with well, no one's spending it, like no one's spending their Bitcoin. <laughs>
0: oh, I love it. We're early, and the time is now. You can buy over three thousand Sats for one U.S. dollar, people. You have no excuse. Get after it. I, there's another thing that I put in the nest that I thought was fantastic. So there's a a video on Fox News, Fox Business. And there's a gal, and you can tell these people still don't understand what it is they're looking at. Because they're just trying to, they're wrestling with the terminology and the concepts. But it's Riot's freaking liquid immersion facility. And uh, I think it's Riot's, if I don't get that wrong. I always get Riot and hate backwards. But anyway, <laughs> they're talking about how it, how this massive Bitcoin mining facility actually stabilizes the Texas power grid.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, What's amazing about like what's amazing about that, because I know we're gonna get into this is because it uses electricity to mine, at times when there is and because there's typically excess capacity of electricity, that's what Bitcoin is utilizing. And at times when the maximum capacity is needed for other reasons. Bitcoin steps back. It becomes unaffordable to use the mining. And it's also, as good citizens of Texas, to help avoid rolling blackouts, the miners are prepared to turn off their equipment during power surges yeah. so that the, the network, the grid is able to operate at maximum efficiency perpetually, thanks to Bitcoin taking up the slack and giving the slack back when needed, obviously. I shouldn't say obviously. Let me make a point. This only is applicable to any proof of work mined coin that uses electricity. Coins that just have committees of, of nodes sitting around based off of their stake determining things cannot help Texas stabilize the power grid. They're like committees of politicians that can do nothing other than approve piece, approved entries in databases. With Bitcoin mining, there's a stabilization of consumption of the power generated from the grid it's really it's it's extraordinary And when people start to understand that that's how power works it's not it's not they just turn it up and turn it down like for you to have a dimmer switch on your on your uh lights is a, a kind of a miracle because the power grid just puts out a steady amount at any given point in time and there need to be all these very sophisticated adjustments to allow surges and to con- and to allow the dispensation of energy that's overproduced because it's all produced in real time. It's not stored in a battery. It's like a raging fire. Anyway, I'm rambling on. I'm sorry for that. But proof of work mining, which is being really given a hard time in the press right now, really maligned is helping Texas go when it goes through heat waves or storms, stabilize their power grid, which is when it's most needed by citizenry. Right. So it is, um, it's such a net good, and it's yet being vilified so much. And you can see it with your eyes if you open your eyes and read the news, uh, and you read through the twists and spins of the news. Uh,
0: Dude, that's no, okay, no. though. That's okay, though. Mike, I'll let gonna, you go in one second. I want to, I want to, I want to dig into this subject because this is going to be super important moving forward. I think they're doubling down on the energy foot, like they think they have a valid argument, which is awesome because what's going to happen is that the power generation companies themselves are going to prove these idiots wrong and it's it's a situation where they spin it they basically are telling a whole bunch of lies about proof of work is what it comes down to just like they've lied about everything else in the past i mean how's that food py- pyramid doing guys like just everything you name it <laughs> pick a subject right they've lied about all this stuff right now what's happening over time is the smart people are gravitating towards bitcoin the smart people are doing their homework the smart people are figuring it out so all you have left is the people that are capable of being hoodwinked by these knuckleheads and uh over time it just continues to move in Bitcoin's favor go ahead mike
4: so i am like this is actually perfect because <clears throat> this morning um I've been doing more research to for for my work and I came across a report from the Department of the uh, Department of Energy to Congress from August of 2021 and if you guys haven't read it I re- recommend googling it to find it because this document in section 6 it talks about technologies to reduce gas flaring and They talk about how there's like there's like the potential to besides other technologies are trying to repackage associated gas into some sort of commodity that can be used elsewhere. There's a section like point four of section six talks about um, particularly using uh, like data centers to utilize that natural gas on site instead of having to worry about packaging. And they talk about there's potential ways to monetize that. So you can connect the dots how, connect the dots however you feel but in my opinion it says that the Department of the, Ener- the Department of Energy of the United States is already basically orange-pilled and mainstream media and all of these moron venture capitalist groups that are like funding the an- the anti-proof of work narrative like they're literally just smashing their skulls against a concrete wall that like the people that are actually knowledgeable on as far as energy goes, like you said, Alex, like they're like, this is already said and done in my opinion. Like they're literally just burning through money and effort and time for absolutely no reason other like, aside yeah. from them actually being like, they're going to lose. Like it's, I don't, I don't see any way around it. Like they, they've lost and they're going to, it's lose.
0: like, it's like the little kid putting his finger in the dike. He's like, I got this. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, I was going to say when you were talking earlier, Alex, and it's coming, it's coming around. Um, I'm losing my train of thought because I'm trying to connect two parts of the conversation. Um, that uh, you know, what? I'll gather my thoughts again. I'm sorry. I'll gather my thoughts and come back on this.
0: Right. Okay. There's two parts of this thing. <clears throat> that needs to be addressed. And I'm not saying this is going to be over tomorrow. I think they're going to double down, triple down, quadruple down, because what else do they got? I mean, they'll do as much um, information warfare as they can until information warfare is no longer getting them what they want. At which point it gets worse, I think, before it gets better. But that's okay. We'll get through that too. There's two facets of this. One is... The FUD against proof of work, but more importantly, on a much deeper level, is there's a lot of propaganda going around right now to try and convince people that energy usage, period, is bad. Like fossil fuel usage, you consume too much energy. We're going to put some kind of meter on you so that we know exactly what your carbon footprint is. You're going to walk around. We want to know every breath you take, how far you travel, how many times you fart during the day. Because energy uses is bad. And if you disagree, well, you're just one of these heartless humans because you don't love the planet. It's going to be that kind of an argument. And um, the most, you know, one of the most important things that I think we need to keep coming back to over and over again is this idea of energy density and energy debt. Energy density and the production of energy is actually the only thing that has ever moved the human race forward. It is the only thing that provides you a better life than living in the dirt, living in a cave. Like, you know, it's, it's, if you just look at the arc of, of human history, the more efficiently we have harnessed energy and produced energy, the more power we've been able to produce that literally creates wealth and abundance. And the amount of energy that's available in the universe is essentially infinite. This narrative that we're running out of energy or that energy consumption is bad. Therefore, if you like to consume energy, you're a bad person. Interesting how they always go to the guilt and the shame. Didn't it?
5: Yeah. There's a, there's a chart that went around a while back showing the, uh m2 supply going like way up like literally going vertical at in 2020 right i'm sure you all have seen it well there's a bunch of other charts that show uh a similar thing whenever humans have access to affordable you know easy to access energy uh showing like like life expectancy gains showing like human prosperity gains showing you know birth rate gains just like all across the board for humanity when you have access and you're no longer like burning biofuels you know you you know in in your cabin with logs you know in the fire it it, it, you know it it it's life-changing for the entire planet
0: i'm gonna let Colin you in a second tom because i know you're gonna have a super deep thought for us but I just want to get this out. Is exactly what Ant was saying. You go back, rewind the clock a couple thousand years, right? We discovered fire at some point, and fire made life better because you didn't have to be cold all night long. You could actually cook your food. It comes with cooking food? Well, you metabolize the food better. So you're releasing the nutrients and the energy in the food for your body better than if it wasn't cooked, right? And then we move forward And we're harnessing energy, we're figuring out how to harness energy, we figured out how to build a combustion engine. Well, what is that doing? So, it's moving up the energy density thing, where where Ant said biofuels, you know, low-level biofuels. Petroleum is a higher-level biofuel, essentially, right? It's more energy-dense. So, what did combustion engines give us? It gave us the agricultural revolution, We went from one plow with a mule and 40 acres for one farmer because that's all he could do It's 40 acres with a mule, right? To today, farmers are literally farming 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 acres. How is that even possible? Have you seen the tractors these guys use lately? They're huge. And they're powered by what? They're a couple million a pop yeah and and they're powered by what right? Petroleum diesel. diesel, petroleum products. So we're talking moving up that energy density kind of ladder and you have coal and petroleum We're kind of right in there. I don't know which one has higher energy density. dark tetrad probably knows this answer, but I'm, I'm getting to the point here. the further we move up that energy density scale, the more humanity advances. Everything that we do today is harnessing energy at the very, very basic first principles level. Wealth is created by human expenditure of energy, right? And why why are we able to create all the wealth that we see today is because we have these massive systems of energy creation. What is the most energy dense thing we could do today? Anybody know?
4: <coughs> Nuclear.
0: Yeah. That's the direction we need to be going. We need to be going towards nuclear, not away from nuclear and away from petroleum, because it's only going to push us down the ladder of civilization, which, by the way, (laughs) mirrors exactly what these knuckleheads at the West want for you. Live in the pods, eat the bugs. You own nothing and be happy. You won't have a car. You won't get to go anywhere. Oh, by the way, now, nowadays, you won't be happy and they don't care. They just came out with that one. That's new.
5: Did they really?
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I won't rant on about that. Tomer, go ahead.
2: Okay, here, here's, here's the thought. There's a, we're, we're talking about this battle at the layer one, right? Like the base layer where Bitcoin is proof of work, and Bitcoin has one proof of work. There's no question that in the proof of work space, Bitcoin is overwhelmingly dominant. The, the game theory has already played out. Everything else that's proof of work has already lost. and not, Nothing is even remotely close to 1% of Bitcoin's proof of work based security. So so Bitcoin's enemies are uh, trying to change the narrative to say, well, we need a different type of layer one. We need proof of stake. And we, we can talk more about why proof of stake is both insecure and not decentralized and not really your coins at the end of the day. But the other point that I want to make to what we were actually talking about before is Bitcoin and Bitcoiners are on a breakaway on layer two. Nobody's got any kind of anything remotely similar to Lightning. And all these applications like Ibex Mercado that you were talking about or Strike or so many others that are starting to play out on layer two which are enabling people to spend stream do all these amazing things it's only bitcoin that's in that place because we focused on fixing the layer one and we're not trying to fix the layer one anymore because it's finished layer one is good and done and stable you know later on we might do a little bit of maintenance here and there but it's good to go forever and now we got layer two that we're building on, which is and, and even I, I depending on what you want to call lightning based applications, if they're layer three, but everyone always seems to just want to count as high as they can, thinking if the higher you count, the better the solution. But we've got real things rolling out and there's nothing else, right? The the number two, you know, Ethereum is trying to switch to proof of stake because they've lost a proof of work. And and there's all these advantages for that for the ruling class in Ethereum to switch through proof of stake. But they're still stuck there. They've still got years of work, if it's ever going to work, to get off of proof of work so that they can mount something else. And in the meantime, there's no high speed, low-cost payment rails on Ethereum or on any of the next nineteen thousand altcoins. They're all just they're either sitting on one of these expensive broken chains or they're lost as to how to fix the base layer of their chain right everything else is breaking so when you zoom out you can see oh my god bitcoin is so far ahead it actually is everyone else is battling on figuring out their layer one bitcoin is done it's moving on it's the layer one we're still at record high hash rates um and there's more and more chips coming out so it's getting more and more secure and more and more dominant in that regard just like TCP/IP did and now that that's over it's like everyone's building apps on bitcoin just like they all built apps on the internet as opposed to the Novell network or the apple talk network so maybe i'm starting to ramble on a little bit here but notice the difference <laughs> like these two things are not alike uh, one has already won and is moving on the others are trying to change the rules of the game at the base layer uh, because they've lost
1: Tomer, I just want to know who else has heard of the Novell Network. That's that's going back. <laughs> I, I'm old.
2: I remember the things that were trying to compete against the internet when the internet came out. There was it was crazy. You know,
0: some of these some of these legacy systems are are written in COBOL, and uh, they won't change it. Uh, very few people understand how to actually write and maintain COBOL, but they kind of like that because it's in a way it's kind of hacker proof. It's kind of like if if you don't if you can't read and write Sanskrit then you then you don't get it. <laughs> That's okay. It takes a lot of work
2: to get back at the mainframes. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. All so, right. So a couple of other things. There's this there's this article that was written by Namcios um, talking about the CFTC chair. We're going to dig into this thing in a couple of minutes here. Peter, I see your hand. We'll go with you in a second. Uh, CK, shout out to CK in the audience. Huddle knot. I'm throwing you guys invites. If you want to come up, you're welcome. Would love to hear from you guys. Obviously, if you're working and stuff, no obligation. All good. Uh, Peter, what do you got?
7: So, in regards to what you were saying about, you know, energy and and um, the, the whole the whole line of thought there. Well, um, we know that that money is the store of energy. And uh, you know, like Kissinger said, I believe it was Kissinger. He said, "Control the money, you control the world." And so, um, the the centralized entities um, and some very smart people uh, understood that money was the ultimate store of of energy. And so, they decided that if they could control the money, they could control the world. And that's exactly what's going on. And Bitcoin is completely outside. Of anybody's control and that's why um, they are so afraid of this thing and that's why you know they are trying to do anything they can uh, including the FUD with with uh, uh, you know Bitcoin uses too much energy etc cetera, etc cetera, um, to to try to dissuade people from from uh, gravitating towards it
5: yeah I think There's that's right on, on Wall Street
0: What was that, Ian?
5: I said it's a mohawk on Wall Street because I was talking about that high school experience earlier.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's a hilarious analogy. All right, let's dig into this article. It's up on Bitcoin Magazine. I think we have it in the nest. I think I posted it. It's one of the first ones there. The title is Climate Advocate CFTC Chair. Wants to change Bitcoin. In a recent interview, Rostin Benman revealed that if Lummis Gillibrand were to be enacted, the CFTC could advocate, advocate, excuse me, for a less energy-intensive Bitcoin. Um, so moving on, in, in the CFTC chair. Rostin Benham seemingly wants to leverage its probable future position as watchdog of Bitcoin to encourage a reduction of the peer-to-peer currency's energy use and incentivize consumers to find less energy intensive alternatives.
2: I'm sorry, Alex. Watchdog of Bitcoin is just hysterical, right? <laughs> like who's got the stronger bite? You know, um, Good luck watching Bitcoin and giving it orders. Yeah, jog on CFTC chair. Like,
4: <laughs> get out of here, dude. We don't need you or want you.
0: This is, I mean, this is one of the things that, I I understand why they think they're doing a good thing. I think, you know, there's a lot of institutional capital that's looking for regulatory clarity before they enter the space. I get that. But, you know, my kind of, my red flag detector went up Back at Bitcoin 2022, when Lummis was saying that that Bitcoin is a commodity, therefore falls under the the authority of the the CFTC, that bothered me immediately when I heard it because it's like the CFTC that it stands for commodities. What futures, futures. Yep. trading commission? What is a future? It's a security. It's a derivative of the underlying asset. It is not the underlying asset itself. So. It's basically saying the spot market, right? And and when they say the spot market, what they're really referring to is the futures trading markets. So, you know, they've kind of expanded this because most people don't understand what that means to mean that they actually control it or they have regulatory authority over it.
2: Yeah, I, I think that they're... Tra- oh, sorry, Alex.
0: No, you can go ahead.
2: I think what they're trying to do is equivocate between Bitcoin and Bitcoin futures. I think this is why we see approvals of Bitcoin futures ETFs and not of spot Bitcoin ETFs, right? The more that they can create regulatory confusion and reliance on dealing in futures on Bitcoin, the the more authority they have over the influence of what the underlying effects are. and um, and And so... I think this is the game that's being played and it, and if we if we acquiesce and say, Oh, I guess you I guess Bitcoin and Bitcoin futures are the same thing and you guys have authority over futures, uh, we will give you authority over the base layer, then then Bitcoin will essentially have failed. But all you have to do is run. Yeah, it maybe.
0: Maybe, right? So here's the thing. Go into the gold market, look at the gold markets for a minute. They've done the same thing in the gold markets. They've obfuscated the price signal how 2000 x paper gold above actual physical trading right so they've created this massive frankenstein financial alchemy thing where they can mess with it and mess with people's perceptions of its value now this works with gold why because nobody takes delivery I don't think that's going to work in Bitcoin. They're going to try it. Clearly, the writing is on the wall. They're going to try it. But the cool thing is, (laughs) what gold doesn't have (laughs) that Bitcoin's got is us. Meaning, all the Bitcoiners around the world are pumping out this massive, pure signal of truth that like, they just can't... I don't believe they're going to be able to counter it. Why? Show me one thing, one thing, anything that has the number of passionate individuals who are smart, intelligent, have done the work, have done the heavy lifting of trying to understand the topic from a very deep level. I'm talking about all angles here. Monetary history, monetary theory, economics, human behavior, computer science, cryptography. Bitcoiners are some of the smartest MFers on the planet right now. Go ahead, Peter.
7: You got it exactly right. They are deathly afraid of a spot uh Bitcoin ETF because they cannot re-hop- rehypothecate like they do with gold. They can't fractionalize like they do with gold. They can't say, "Oh, trust us. This is what we've got in here." And yeah, we'll do uh we'll do uh some kind of counting every now and then when it behooves us and no you can't have visibility into that process. With Bitcoin, it is exactly the opposite. And the self-custody component scares the bejesus out of them because they can't manipulate it like they currently do with all the other commodities.
0: It gets better, though. Let's keep going through this article because it's hilarious. All right. In terms of the relationship between the use of... Case of cryptocurrency and the energy consumption from mining. I think there's a pretty significant dislocation right now. And we need to remove that dislocation, Benham said. <laughs> it blows my mind that these people think that it's their job to freaking like, be everybody's mommy-daddy. I'm, I'm going to make sure that that you're quote safe this is what they this is how they always operate here's the interesting thing this is an opinion the same people who fall for their bullshit are the same people who are likely to look for govern me harder daddy they want to be governed they want to be told what to do am i wrong
7: Yes, I think you're wrong. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't know anything else. An entire generation doesn't understand anything else.
5: I think there's both.
4: Well, obviously there's both, guys. Come on. The the In my opinion, um, these individuals like the CFTC chair, I think – These clown world leaders, well, quote unquote leaders, they they aren't actual leaders. They don't they don't they don't want to lead people. They just want followers. There's a big difference. And it's it's, because it's it, it comes down to the like the seeking of power versus trying to guide people towards a better future. There's a there's a well,
0: massive- I mean, well. Why should they be guiding anybody? Is my is my position. You know what I mean. These are three-letter government agencies that are not elected by the people. They're appointed. They have the ability to make regulations, prosecute, and in some cases, you know, or I should say, make regulations, enforce, and in some cases, prosecute and judge all under the same roof. Which, by the way, in the United States, is the definition of tyranny, according to the founding fathers of the Constitution.
4: Exactly they're they're not they're not trying to guide a population to a better tomorrow. They're trying to just harness more power, gain more followers so they can harness more power and then they're just trying to defend their position. That's all that's happening.
7: Okay, so then let's then let's lay blame at the feet where it lies. The li- the blame lies at the feet of our legislators and our legislatures because they write the laws and if you write a law that says that a 3-letter agency um, can be the judge Uh, the executioner and the prosecutor, then they are lawfully able to do that. So you got to lay the blame where it belongs. With a stroke of a pen, these things can be changed. And until we become active in that political process, or until that political process falls apart, um, these things are going to be lawful. And so, you know, the three-letter agency people are just doing what they are authorized. Well, I, okay, sometimes they're pushing the envelope, but I mean that's just human nature, right? Human nature is well. Take, let
0: let the let's dig push. in. Maybe maybe yes, maybe no. Peter, <laughs> this continues. <laughs> Benham hinted at two avenues that the regulatory body could explore to make the case for a different Bitcoin. So it's going to explore <laughs> these. <laughs> it gets better if they received these extra powers provisioned under Lamas Gillibrand. And he goes on to say, (laughs) this just kills me. On the one hand, we need the industry. We need the industry to transition and change and understand that the energy consumption is too big. also need
4: fries, guys
0: Big we hot also hot need we also need consumers to understand and appreciate what's at stake
7: so but alex clearly how mm. how what do you think this guy's done um, 45 minutes
0: uh, this no is this is the whatsoever. hilarious part this is the hilarious part so we're going to get into this guy's background and, and maybe why he's saying the things he's saying but on the face of it it's completely freaking ridiculous you know what's interesting?
2: Like he's saying, we need a new type of Bitcoin. Well, we've been through this many times before. When people hard fork Bitcoin, everyone gets an airdrop. Everyone dumps the new kind of Bitcoin, and the old kind of Bitcoin wins out again. So I welcome them to try <laughs> to try um, and impose a new kind of Bitcoin. Like they're not saying people need to switch to Dogecoin or people need to switch to Ethereum. I think mean, we need Bitcoin to hard fork. Is is what they're essentially saying: We need Bitcoin to. We need to make some well, changes. either either Be that,
0: either that, or or here's the rest of it. <clears throat> we also need consumers to understand and appreciate what's at stake, so that through economic incentives, they can steer their choice away from the more energy consumptive behaviors. This oh, is back to gosh. the whole. It's back to the whole. If you use too much energy, you're naughty.
4: The, the grift in these people is just ugh
7: it's such a great
1: word mike
4: yeah I, like i i attribute that to american hotel on clubhouse because i honestly didn't know the word until i heard him say it it's a great word
7: this is this is what happens when people with no understanding of what they're talking about try to introduce policy
4: which they've been doing for decades
7: yeah it's not it's not just bitcoin whereas whereas um uh, not that not that even though he's one of the most machiavellian people in the world if you look at the quote from kissinger that i put up in the nest he knew what the fuck he was doing he understood what he was what he was talking about
4: well like for an example of these policymakers not understanding the industries that they're making policies over, all you have to do is Alex brought it up a couple minutes ago is look at the food pyramid. Like it's complete crap. Like ugh, it's just, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of eye awakening going on here. I hope so. And that's why, I mean, that that's why I, sorry Alex,
7: but that's why I say that there's an entire generation that knows nothing but do what the government tells you because the government is good and the government is looking out for you and you just need to follow what these people are saying because they know better than you. And oh, by the way, don't bother doing the work. Don't bother verifying because you don't need to, because we've got your best interests in mind. And so the vast majority of people don't know any different. We lost you,
0: Peter. We lost you for a second. And what?
7: Oh, am I, you got me now? Oh, okay. yeah, you're back. So uh, and just like myself, because I was one of those lost people who just trusted what was going on. When you find something like Bitcoin that pulls the wool back and you you begin to understand and you look around and you go, holy shit. That is the difference maker, and that is when people wake up, and people are starting to wake up, and they're starting to realize, and when they discover this this, this thing for themselves, um, it, it, is, it, it already is. It's already won. It's already a landslide. Um, it's just uh, building and building and building, and there's nothing anybody can do about it.
0: I want to welcome up John Cheneau to the stage. John works with Swan Bitcoin. He does some, uh, he does some of the super heavy lifting stuff that happens behind the scenes in order to make things like the Swan private event work and other things that we're, we're doing at Swan. Morning, John.
3: Morning, you guys. Uh, just on my way to the beach and, uh, really enjoying hearing, hearing the mockery of, of these ridiculous people talking about Bitcoin. It's, uh, it's quite the spectacle.
4: The block size war book needs to be like mandated reading for besides any pleb trying to understand what's going on if you're new to Bitcoin, like every single politician that thinks they're going to weigh in on this discussion needs to read this fucking book first. Do you think do you
2: think any politicians have read any actual books? Absolutely. On any actual wars? Like. Their knowledge of history is pretty poor. I'm I, I'm not suggesting that they they wouldn't, but we keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over. Like who, someone should have read some books on history before America's strategy against Putin's invasion of the Ukraine was rolled out because it really backfired. Yeah, that's
3: kind of the issue, right? Like everyone in the in these institutions, it, it, even in the three letter agencies, in the bureaucracies, and in the um, legislative branches or all the elected officials as well, like, the only thing that they're focused on is making sure that they're aligned with the current um, mainstream narrative or the whatever narrative that they, they need to embrace and, and um, voice in order to remain in their jobs and, and remain in their uh, positions, right? Like, there's no it, it, yes, and, and, and more. There's no, I don't see any incentive for them to actually challenge their beliefs or or change, or actually like improve upon what um, the status quo.
2: Yeah, like it, it's even worse because their government paying their government jobs that they're trying to keep. They're not trying to keep for the government salary, which is very minimalistic. It swings favor. It like, you know, gets some keynote speeches. They somehow seem to have really brilliant investment uh, strategies that work for them. They all end up incredibly wealthy after these stints of these uh, not terribly high-paying jobs. So there's something worse going right. on here with where the incentives are actually at. And, Nancy and, Pelosi. And,
7: yeah.
2: So, yeah. like, I, I think what I think what I'm suggesting is, you know. Be, it's not just any narrative they would support. They wouldn't support a fact-based narrative that doesn't enrich them through the mechanisms of poll. They, they embrace these corrupt um, narratives, which they are able to ultimately benefit from. So I think that's the big part of the problem that we've got, which is you, know, you expect some career in politics to actually be a, a pole vault or catapult towards some great riches. And the facts do seem to bear this out. Um, you know, all the big politicians end up wildly rich um, from entering politics. So, um, and it's not through it's not through their their salaries as politicians. So we so I think this is where the incentives get really. It's not just the incentive to get reelected; it's the incentive to manage the system towards For their sure. own interests.
0: For sure. For sure it's it's a very it's a very corrupt, very corrupt system. Look at, you know, one of the ones that really stands out to me. I mean, you take any member of Congress, for example, look at their net worth when they entered and look at it now. Where are they? Look at Jacinda Adern from New Zealand. That's a head scratcher. <laughs> How did what are that a happen?
2: How rich did she get?
0: I'm going to, I'm going to ballpark it because I don't remember the exact numbers, but she went from sub millions to, I think, in the, I want to say in the $200 rate range. I could be completely off. I know it's some ridiculous number of uh, amount of wealth that she's accumulated in her short term uh, as the PM of New Zealand. Somebody please correct she, me if I got the numbers wrong. It's just crazy.
4: She also just visited the BlackRock headquarters, what, last Sunday?
7: Yeah, and some of this wealth has yeah, accrued.
4: Fine some some of the, sorry john some of this wealth and a lot of this
7: wealth is actually accrued after the fact when they leave their political position and move into the the private sector as an influencer and an and an under, and someone who understands how mm, the political system works that's
0: that's the regulators that's the regulators right so when you've got captured regulators that are former fed chairs or whatever and then they go and they it's like the revolving door uh, with the banking um, industry etc I'm, I'm talking about straight politicians who go while in office you while know, and still in office go yeah, but from, alex
7: after they leave office you don't think that somebody that wasn't on the the banking committee in the senate for the united states doesn't doesn't immediately get a multi-million dollar position with goldman sachs yeah or sure I'm, like I'm,
0: I'm just saying that that when they're doing it while they're in office it's kind of a to me it's like yeah, it's corruption, but it's also a slap-in-the-face corruption because they're just doing it right out in the front of everybody. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? And here's an interesting little comment. This is coming in from the audience. HODL coin. I'm going to read it. Hope you don't mind, Hoddle, but you sent it to me. So, yeah. On the topic of lawmakers, they are paid in the fiat money that the Fed issues. I think it's a matter of time that no one wants to accept the state-issued currency, so their power grab won't be influential over the public that I'm going to add eventually, because currently they still do, they still are. But as this thing, Bitcoin, continues to roll, it's obviously absorbing more financial power, financial energy, more capital from the system. And then obviously... Um, <laughs> You know, there's this there's this marker that I like to talk about. It's called we're over the target, sir. When the people in the incumbent system get up in arms about what Bitcoin is and they want to shit on it. In my opinion, it's because they're threatened.
4: And when they feel threatened, it's a pretty natural human response to uh, overreact and not think as well. So they'll make mistakes when they do it.
0: Possibly. Let's hit some announcements and we'll keep rolling. You are listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, we talk about Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for about two hours. You get your morning news on Bitcoin here. You'll learn a great deal about Bitcoin here. You'll learn about what it is. I mean, we cover every aspect of it. It's a preferred hangout for some really smart people. In Bitcoin, it's also a podcast up on Spotify and Apple. Everywhere you get your podcasts, you can throw me a follow or Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when those drop. A really cool thing that's coming up here in the near future, Hard Money with Natalie Brunel. She's the host. It's a new show produced by Swan Studios in collaboration with Bitcoin Magazine. These shows are going to be up on Bitcoin Magazine's YouTube channel. It's going to be a super high-quality show covering all things Bitcoin as well. And then finally... I'm your host. I'm My name is Alex Danzig. I work with Swan Bitcoin in the Swan private division. If you're interested in learning more about Swan private, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to help you. It's essentially designed for high net worth, ultra high net worth. If you want to have kind of a direct person to person experience in Bitcoin with people who can teach you everything you need to know. I'll give you an example. Some people just want to take a position in Bitcoin, but they don't fully understand it yet. That might be you. You know, if you want to buy some and then learn about it as you go, we can we can basically give you access to a deep bench of experts. So anything you want to talk about from allocation strategies to entry strategies to inheritance planning to custody, self-custody, sig, all that kind of stuff. We're here for you. All right. Enough of that. Shane.
1: Alex, I, I just want to know if Anthony Hopkins got in touch with you. <laughs> I
0: think that's hilarious, and no, he did not. <laughs> You're talking about Anthony hopkins.eth right? That's yeah,
1: guy. yeah. That's an inside joke. I he he posted that he was buying his first NFT, and I commented and told him he needed to, you know, get with Alex and get us one private account, so maybe he'll do it. Yeah, it's I, funny because they, they he tagged all these people in there, and
5: some of the people on there. I mean, there's some interesting history there. If you go do some research online, if you look at those people tagged, it's pretty interesting.
0: Hey, I'm open, man. I'll help him if he wants help. If he gives me access to his mind.
7: We're going to have a rug pull, Alex. (laughs) The host is having connection issues. We're going to have a rug pull here.
2: Alex is the host. I think he's got one. But he he that needs to, to going be notified. So, yeah, he needs to be notified so that he can fix his phone.
5: As far as the last topic, like with uh, you know the the CFTC and this bill and just all this stuff, it's just another reminder to me that we can't trust these politicians. You know, and I do it too. I get all wrapped up in the adoption curve, and I'm like excited about you know someone big who promotes bitcoin and all of this and there's some characters some well-known characters around here who promote like working with these politicians and supporting a bitcoin only you know president or politician or senator or whatever and it's like i get it and like i said i get wrapped up in it too but we can't trust these people it's like you know everybody's so excited about this bill yesterday yay she's so awesome but then it's like the next day the other the other for the same day really the other shoe drops and it's this stuff happens again and again and again. We have to remember what Bitcoin really is.
1: Yeah, they turn on a dime, right? Just like Eric Adams in New York did. Well, they don't
5: know what they're talking about in most cases.
1: No disrespect to
5: Lummis, but or anybody else who, you know, Cruz or whoever else is down the, the rabbit hole, so to speak. But someone said it earlier, largely, they're not incentivized to really do the research like most plebs are, and they won't ever be.
0: Well, they won't ever be unless they're holding a a substantial portion of their portfolio in Bitcoin. That could change. We've all changed.
8: Yeah,
5: Yeah, I mean, that's going to change, you know, people's perspectives for sure. I mean, if you're one of those people who bought a stack and then you go through you know, a a huge boom event and, you know, to where you've actually left it behind to where you literally don't have to worry about the ups and downs anymore. And now you're like, okay, Bitcoin's for real. Yeah, those people might be incentivized to read more or the people who are, you know, trying to get their voter base. I know these people are trying to align themselves for more votes in a lot of cases. I mean, there there are incentives. So yeah, point taken. But mostly they're not going to go for like the real, use cases of bitcoin the the incentive is i have freedom.
0: i have faith that eventually some of these folks will i don't necessarily think they're all bad intentioned i think there's a lot of ignorance and because of ignorance there's you know what it doesn't matter to me it's like bring it you know bitcoin is the honey badger throw all your nonsense into the gladiatorial ring with bitcoin and bitcoin's going to tear it to pieces let's go bring it i want to say good morning to Brecky. Morning, you, folks.
9: How's everyone doing? Um, quick, quick thought on on politicians and Bitcoin, and this is something I think I realized with um, when Elon was was I don't know first going down the rabbit hole. If you want to be uh, generous enough to say that, but with a lot of these public figures, I think we often forget that. They're very public in their journey down the rabbit hole, and we forget that they're actually, you know, that they haven't. They're just, they're just falling down the rabbit hole, whereas many plebs like spend that silent period of six months to a year just researching and researching and consuming, and you know, I think a, a lot of the times we. We see people being public about their Bitcoin journey and assume that they're at the end when really they're just starting and at, just at the beginning. And it doesn't, for, it doesn't excuse them from making policy decisions based off a lack of knowledge by any means. But, uh, you know, we, we got to be more p- patient, I think, and definitely call people out if, if they are making policy decisions based off faulty knowledge. But, you know, I, that's why I'm, I'm optimistic, but I, I try to be real about it.
0: So I right. agree with that. That's a really good way to say it. So Brecky's OG OG. He's been around a long time, right?
9: <laughs> Not that OG. <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. Okay, well, I, compared to me, you're freaking OG. You're like freaking one of these original fucking run DMC motherfuckers. But <laughs> um, we got going to have grace. Um, by the way, thank you guys for letting me know that the, that the space was about to get rugged. I got to actually, like... I've got the, the swan handle in a drawer, <laughs> and i got to, like, kill it and restart it to re- reconnect to the space to make sure we don't get rugged. So thanks for letting me know. Did
5: Do you what notice does, how there's what a happened direct Alex? correlation? Does anybody between...
9: hear Alex? Oh. Can anybody hear Alex? Where did he go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
4: Ricky, we, we can hear him, man. There might no, be I'm
7: something. Not. I'm kidding. Does,
9: I'm kidding. <laughs> does anybody
7: notice the direct correlation between
9: OG and Humble? Sometimes, if everything goes according to plan, hopefully. <laughs> but but you do see, you know, the Vorheeses and the Vairs. So I, there there are outliers. And
0: that and the hearts of the world. who is that guy's name? I came oh, across not, his Richard Hart his name Yeah, years. I came across his feed the other day. I've heard his name before. I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know. Whatever. Uh... And then I and I just started seeing these ridiculous pictures of Gucci tracksuits. I'm like, oh, good god.
3: Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Though, I'm OG,
7: OG so Bitcoiners serious. for the most part tend to be just really humble, down to earth people who are just really thinking about deep things that are that that benefit many, 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 many people. And I think this is a this is a complete opposite to what our politicians and what we've been talking about. You know, they 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 talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And I think that's the difference between Bitcoiners, true Bitcoiners and, um, you know, our proof of stake shit coin uh, centralized entities.
3: I think one of the reasons for that is uh, kind of in the existing system, you have a power or a power dynamic that's like the need for control over others that's kind of what incentivizes you to be influential in the existing system but whereas like in Bitcoin you if you were adopted if you adopted early and you got into the system you got into the community you bought some and you just have skin in the game and you see yourself as more of a steward of the network so it's like stewardship and service to the community into actually the thing that you have uh, skin in the game on instead of, um, you know, grifting for influencer or anything like that,
9: right? Ask not what Bitcoin can do for you, but what you can do for Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, we need a sound effect after that. <laughs> <laughs> Applause would have been appropriate, but... I'll allow it. And the
7: the ultimate Brecky, the the ultimate irony of that, of that, uh, of that quote um, that you just made is that the reality is, is that Bitcoin, just like Alex was saying, it's the honey badger. It doesn't care. We really, you know, it doesn't care. We don't really do. It doesn't care whether we do something for it or not. And that is the beauty of it. I mean, it is just such, this decentralized network that, you know, encourages self-sovereignty, is censorship resistant, is just such a fucking beautiful thing. And politicians and people who are in power just can't get wrap their fucking head around it.
5: Think
0: about it. Put yourself in their shoes for a second, right? We've talked about this before where, like, people people have heard, if you've hung around here for a little while, that, like, I think the government's too big. The federal government's too big. Way too big. It kind of started out like this tick on the back of a dog, which is the United States of America. And it's kind of sucking a little bit of blood and providing some value. I'm not going to say that the the things the government does is completely valueless. But over time, that tick keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually... The tick's as big as the dog. And then the next thing you know, the tick's bigger than the dog. So you got this gigantic tick on the back of this poor freaking dog that's kind of limping along. It's having his blood sucked out of it. If you are benefiting, you know, you're you're part of the tick. You're benefiting from sucking the blood out of the dog. Your whole life is based upon, your whole life's work is relies upon that tick sucking the blood out of the dog. Like, if if it goes away, you don't have a job. I can see how that would be terrifying for some people.
3: Are you are you playing background music to your voice now? That sounds really. Good I I, I actually
0: do that every day, all the time. I just don't know when people can hear it or not.
3: <laughs> no, it's a hundred percent. It's like a, I mean, it's almost more like a cancer. It's like grew from within uh, the body, and the actual cancer is only incentivized to replicate itself uh, without any kind of consideration for um, or or actual benefit to the host to, to what it's growing in and and what it was originally part of
5: I like people like in the I was gonna say I like viewing the growth of uh, the Bitcoin network based on this article that I had read a long time ago by beauty on. And it says, talks about like, the point of that article is uh, it's equating Bitcoin with the game of life. And it shows how like, you know, there's like this outer edge of KYC, which is the point of that article. But the point that I took from it, and I think about it all the time is that he has a picture in, in the article and it shows this like growing black mass, which represents the, the Bitcoin circular economy. And then there's this like little edge on the side, the KYC edge. And it's constantly growing. That black part in the middle is constantly bro- growing to John's point. Just made me think of that.
0: I don't know if you people get tired of hearing me rant on about the tick and the dog and the government and all this other kind of stuff, but if you do, I'm not sorry.
7: <laughs> all, all I can think of when you do that, Alex, is um, the Dark Crystal movie with the um, the big, huge ant things that, or whatever the the tick-looking things that that uh, ran around to control things. That's all I can think about whenever you do that.
3: Skeksis
9: that's a, uh, that's a that's a good analogy uh, speaking of film by the way I think we've got uh, the Bitcoin executor in the audience if we could bring them up I know they were, were that's why I'm here we're here to talk about Bitcoin and, and film this morning so I'd love to get them up here to Start that combo. Bitcoin
0: executor could you request to come up please and I'll bring you up
9: so just uh, the thing is go ahead Alex
0: I was gonna say the thing is is that the room has got <clears throat> almost four hundred people in it. It's impossible to see everybody. So if you don't mind, if you do a request and we will see you and we'll grab you. Go ahead, Berkey.
9: Yeah, I was just gonna kind of um, do a little intro here. So I'm I'm I work at Swan as well and I'm I'm heading up to Studios and part of what we Are aiming to do is to bring a higher level of production value to the world of Bitcoin and content and media and film and you know Bitcoin is um, this incredible thing that's that's just changing our world for the better and part of the you know I I think Bitcoin is gonna win no matter what but we can win hearts and minds faster if we take advantage of some of the tried-and-true you know methods of telling stories that have you know shaped our world as it is already. Um, I come from a a filmmaker background and, and I've studied propaganda. And for me, storytelling is something that should be integral to, to all of this, you know? Um, and so the Bitcoin executor is a film that is coming out. It's in production. Um, it's got a great team behind them. Um, we've been working with them for a while. Um, so I'm really excited for them to come up. Bitcoin executor, send a request. I want to hear about more about the film, but anyway, um, uh, they got a great team with uh, Christopher Arcella and Daniel Ross. Um, you might know Daniel from The Rise and Rise of Bitcoin. He's also an OG. And I think if, if you've seen any films about Bitcoin, this is one of them. I think it's still on Netflix. Um, it's really fantastic and kind of gives a glimpse, a great glimpse into the early days. Um, and this film that they're working on now is a narrative film, which I'm incredibly excited about because, you know, you see a lot of documentaries and I think documentaries serve a great purpose, but you know, there's a, not everybody wants to watch a doc- documentary. Um, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to get someone to sit down and, Oh, I don't want to watch a documentary, but a narrative film, a film that has heart and t- that tells a story um, through, through a narrative is something entirely different. You know, that's what most people sit down and watch when they, when they turn on Netflix, um, so that, that promoting more, more narrative filmmaking is something that I'm deeply passionate about and uh, they're I think one of the first narrative Bitcoin films that, that'll be coming out so I'm very excited about that Chris, Daniel, get up here
0: <laughs> okay so we're going to do a, a bit of troubleshooting Bitcoin Executor if you're listening to this you have to be on Twitter on your phone if you're trying to do this on a computer it's not going to work we've had, sometimes we've had guests come on or try to come on, and they are looking for this request button and they can't see it. And it's because if you're on a computer, it's not going to be there. And also you can't be looking at Twitter through a browser on your phone. It's actually got to be the Twitter app while we're waiting for them to figure it out. Brecky, as Brecky mentioned, he's heading up Swan studios. Another thing that, that is coming soon is going to be hard money and uh, brecky are if i understand correctly you're producing the show you want to tell uh, us a little bit about hard money
9: yeah i'd love to um so uh, i'm sure many of you know natalie burnell she's going to be hosting the show um it's going to be a weekly um you can call it a news show it'll feature the top headlines of the week um it'll also feature a, a short macro update from andy edstrom who's the author of why buy bitcoin and a, and a licensed financial advisor um the show is also—it's basically going to be broken up into um, into blocks. You know, one of the blocks is uh, no pun pun intended, but uh, one of the blocks is the headline block. Another block will be an interview block. So each week we will have a a guest from the world of Bitcoin or the world of finance or government. Um, basically, all the worlds that intersect with Bitcoin. Um, and then we'll also have a package block. And, and you can think of a package almost as if like a sort of like a short mini documentary. So we will uh, take you to different places around the world and try to show um, the stories of, of, of how Bitcoin is changing lives around the world. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, we'll be filming in the studio each week in L.A. And we've got a, a really fantastic team uh, to support Natalie. So um, hope you all tune in for that. It's going to be uh, to start on Bitcoin Magazine's YouTube channel. It'll it'll always live there. Um, and we're aiming to have it syndicated across other networks as time goes by. So very excited for that. We should be launching in the next week or so. You'll see um, announcements coming out. So definitely follow Bitcoin Magazine, follow Swan, follow myself, follow Natalie, and, and you'll be sure to see uh, all those updates. Um, Alex, I saw Bitcoin Executor wave um So maybe you could find them. They've got an orange. uh, Yeah, unfortunately,
0: I can only see the first 100-ish people in the room. And if they're below that number of people, it's not possible to see them. They literally have to request. Oh, they're there. They just requested. Here we go. Now we're cooking with uh, butter, or whatever the saying is.
7: Butter works. (laughs)
0: I think it used, yeah. Yo. Good morning, Bitcoin executor. Hey, there you are.
6: Hello. We got our technical difficulties sorted. I think the request is being sent to the main host, but we got it worked out.
0: Well, all the hosts can see it. I can see it. Chris can see it. So right, well, good stuff. Glad to have you up here. Uh, and uh, good morning.
6: Good morning. Could we also get um, all tangent up here? That's. Daniel and Ross, I'm working on the film with, and I'm Christopher. You
0: bet. Have them, have them do a little request, and uh, and we'll pull them up for sure.
6: Okay, I believe that he has.
0: Don't see that just yet.
6: Okay, well he'll keep trying. Um, But thank you, Brecky, for the intro. Um, Yes, we're working on a film, and we've been working on it for a while, and uh, we're well underway. This is happening.
9: Just to give some uh, context for how long they've been working on it, this is a little fun, a story I find funny. Is I met Chris at a, I believe it was a shitcoin conference in Los Angeles back in 2018. <laughs> and I was coming out of the film world um, and making my way into the Bitcoin world in a, in a more professional way. And this guy comes up to me and sees that I'm a filmmaker and is telling me about his film. And this is in the depths, the dark, dark depths of the bear market. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is so interesting. This guy is working on a film, but oh my God, he is, this is the wrong time to make a film. No one's going to invest in a film in the bear market. Good luck to this guy. And, you know, a few, I think a year later, uh, Chris reaches out and says, hey, we're still doing this. And I say, oh my God, this is amazing. He, he, he survived. Yeah, man, <laughs> so it's I'm, passion. I'm very glad to see they're still here and
6: thriving. It's passion. I'm not going to give up, going to make this thing. But as uh yep. the bear market was actually one of the best times to get involved in retrospect because uh, true Bitcoiners were out there still um, getting things done, making things happen. And it kind of weeded out a lot of the uh, people who were just riding a trend.
9: Yeah, 100 percent. Bear markets are are great times to build. Um, Chris, could you tell everyone a little bit about um, sort of how the film, like, what was the genesis of this film? What what made you want to do it? Maybe how you got involved with Daniel, um, and sort of what the what people can expect. What is the film about?
6: Yeah, for sure. Um, so this started when people were asking me to tell them about Bitcoin, and I got tired of explaining it, <laughs> to be honest. And so I started sending people links. I was sending them like a link to a video or a link to whatever I felt would cater to their interests. And I was like, okay, watch this or read this or check this out and then get back to me and we'll take the conversation further if you want to. And a lot of people just didn't get back to me and I realized they just don't have the time or they're exhausted by the time they get home from work and they didn't have the compulsion to go in there and dig like a lot of us have um so then i was thinking well maybe there could be a more digestible format to introduce them to some of these concepts and i thought well there isn't very many narrative pieces that bring people into the world of bitcoin maybe i could do that and so i worked on a script and um i was working pretty much alone and uh, one thing led to another. And at Unconfiscatable in Las Vegas, I met um, Daniel. And I should mention, like, I didn't know anybody when I started this project that was involved in Bitcoin, except for a few friends that were, were into it on their own. But as far as, like, what you would call the Bitcoin community, for lack of a better description. I just didn't know anybody. So I did some cold emails, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but somebody who we all know, I, I don't think I can say who it is, they, their company gave me some seed money to get going, and I'll be ever, forever grateful to this individual. And um, it's not, not a lot, but it was just a little getting started. I started reaching out to people, and I have to mention that Jimmy Song was super supportive and friendly, and he's like, you got to come to Unconfiscatable and uh, we get you in if you take photos or something. So I did that. And that's where I met Daniel. And it turns out Daniel and I have a very similar background, um, both from Pittsburgh, both with Virginia Tech, both into Bitcoin. Both were DJs at Tech, had the same friends, didn't know each other, though. And we just started working on this together. We Our ideas aligned and um, what we wanted the movie to bring to people that all aligned. And um, one thing I, I'll also mention is like the initial draft of the script was kind of like running into the annoying big that you see at the party and they corner you and they're just like throwing all this stuff at you because they're you're so excited. And then we realized, oh God, this movie is going to be super annoying. We, and we, we totally shifted our perspective on things and we, we didn't want to make a propaganda piece. We just wanted to make a good piece of art and then let people decide. And um, maybe this is like a good conversation starter for something art related is that. So I was at the conference recently and I noticed that a lot of the art, it does this idolization of Bitcoin and the Bitcoin logo in a particular way that feels a bit culty. And I mean, the art's great and I think it's important. You know, people go and express themselves however they want. We're making all these things. We're excited about Bitcoin. We want people to be exposed to these ideas. But at a certain point, it's it's hit like this wall where the where the Bitcoin logo has become this effigy of just I don't know whatever something glorious and maybe even not really what it is. It's 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 awesome, but it's a protocol. And and um, can art with Bitcoin be taken to a di- in a different place? And that's what we're trying to do is we're having trying to have these um, philosophical discussions about Bitcoin. Um, in a film where the main character is a skeptic he's a keynesian actually Um, and he gets pulled into the world of bitcoin slightly against his will and it's not like trying to convince the audience to believe one thing or another it's like here's some information this is what's going on in the world this is some stuff that's happening in bitcoin from a skeptic's perspective but it's really about the story
9: Chris, I think that's a great point, and and I'm, you know, I, I do Bitcoin art as well, and I'm definitely guilty of of I, I love the Bitcoin symbol, and that's because I'm I think I'm so deep into it, and it means so much to me, and that's I think one type of Bitcoin art. But, you know, to me, Bitcoin art that sort of rises beyond the Bitcoin symbol and that gets people to ask questions and and get interested in Bitcoin. You know, someone who's not a Bitcoiner who sees, you know, a version of the Bitcoin symbol, you know, incorporated into artwork might be like, ah, OK, like I actually I showed I was talking to my doctor about my my hands because they get sore from carving. And he's like, oh, show me your, your sculpture. And I showed him my marble uh, Bitcoin eye and he laughed. and <laughs> I was just like. It's like, oh, that's so funny. I'm just like, oh, funny was not what I was going for. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's something that I knew that like, what the piece that I that I had made was for Bitcoiners. And if we want to make art that's not for Bitcoiners that gets people interested in Bitcoin, whether it's a film or a sculpture or a painting, you know, it needs to, it needs to be different. It needs to rise above it and and get people to kind of look at the world like you were saying and ask questions. Um, so I think that's a a really fantastic point. I'm really glad that the protagonist of your film is a keynesian i think that's you know a great way to to get people interested to present the opposite side so yeah kudos for there's that.
6: a certain thing about um when you when you're seeing something for the first time and i think a lot of bitcoiners can actually empathize with this is that you know when you're being manipulated and you know it feels a little strange when someone's trying to convince you of something and they're like, hey, this is great. You're gonna this is gonna be good for you. And even like when that happens to actually be true, you may be just shocked because the chances are that's not gonna be true. Like everything that we run into, someone's trying to sell you something, someone's trying to like be, do something, get you to do something that may not actually benefit you. That's you know, fiat culture and to present something to people that way can be a turn off. So we're just trying to have A a different approach Um, we really it was such a big learning experience to just say hey we're gonna do this start it and kind of fail but not go all the way fail like we caught ourselves before we executed that those first couple drafts of the script would have been all right but I think it would have just been preaching to the choir we at the end of the day we just don't want to preach sorry that's my dog yeah there's a Toshi be quiet
9: (laughs) There's a, um, <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, you know, propaganda I think is a tool in our arsenal and I think we're, we we do well to use it. Um, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with propaganda, but the best propaganda is the type that you don't realize it's propaganda. Um, you know, I, I back in my college days, I did a, my, I wrote my thesis on sort of the, how different governments use their film industries as propaganda machines. And, You know, in diving into old Soviet propaganda, for example, versus American propaganda, um, you know, I realized that Soviet propaganda was very, very on the nose and American propaganda is is to some extent as well, but not nearly as much. And I think that's partially why American propaganda was more effective, you know, Um, so it's all about kind of meeting people where they are and at least when it comes to filmmaking for me, it's all about entertaining. Like if you entertain someone, it, you know, the medicine goes down much more smoothly than it does if you're just yelling at them and saying, you know, Bitcoin is great. You know, that doesn't really achieve anything. So we have to kind of meet people where they are and and, and entertain wherever possible.
6: Well, we're trying to even take a step away from having a message. Um, it's been a challenge because we have our own incentives and our own intentions. And I think it's just shifted towards truth or what, people who put in the time to research Bitcoin rather than um, a bunch of ESG FUD. But some of the characters follow that ESG FUD, but that's some kind of truth. But then there's other characters that will say their opinion that are um, better versed in Bitcoin, and then that's their truth. Uh, but when we when we tie all this together, we think that it's pulling people into part of the world that they wouldn't normally be exposed to if they're just prancing around in fiat world and you know that's just this reoccurring issue like even especially in film like you're you're mentioning that that governments have used film for propaganda but cultural movements which may also be government influenced are using film as propaganda so you're trying to make a film you want to like say, hey, I got this idea for a film, I have a lot of experience, and you write your script, and you start sending it out to the institutions that are helping quote-unquote independent filmmakers make films. They're all tied to a couple centralized entities, and I probably shouldn't name who they are, but there's two main ones in the United States, and almost everything they put out caters to the, the cultural movements that are mainstream and so you just see film after film after film and they're about this they have this message and then it just starts to run on its own and, and more and more people are like oh wow they're getting their movie made because they had they have this message i'm gonna do this message too and so we have this movie about bitcoin and, and the people in the film industry even in not necessarily hollywood although i did talk to a couple of people there but also indie wood. they don't understand the value of bitcoin and if they they have some preconceived notions about Bitcoin. They just won't even touch it, and that's fine because we don't want them anyway. It doesn't matter. Like we're going to make this. Um, when they get, when people like that get involved, you have certain agreements, and unsaid sometimes. But you have to play ball. You have to do it. To, you have to kiss the ring. You have to bend the knee, and that's just not. Why you would want to make? We would want to make a movie in the first place. Why do that? It's a waste. It's a waste of energy. So we're we're doing well this totally independent. Like we're not we're not doing the union route because if you go that way, you're going to have to bend the knee, and it, it's in a way that is is actually compromising. They basically can't own your film, like in the agreements. Um, so I'm talking about. I'll just say a Screen Actors Guild. You have to. So we're a non-union. This project, you, you do an agreement with the Screen Actors Guild is highly centralized, and a lot of people are just like, just do it. Everybody does it. It's fine. So I actually went in and read the agreement. They're going to own your film if you don't do everything they say. Like they have you by the balls. And so I, I think. A lot of people who don't understand the film machine are like, Why all these movies they just don't speak to me? Well, this is one of the reasons why. It's a funnel and you have to go through the funnel because it's so freaking hard to make a movie and they'll help you if you go through the funnel. So
0: That's that's really mind blowing to me. I didn't realize um, all of this. Like I've asked that exact question. Like, you know, looking at the movies that are being produced over the last ten ish years. Most of them, well, in my opinion, are just horrible. I mean, I'm sure they appeal to somebody, but I don't know who that is. And this explains a lot of that. Like It's like a chance to look at how the sausage is made talking to you about this. It's fascinating. Well, it's
6: not merit-based at all, whatsoever. It's more like concept-based, and then it's a relationship business. And I don't want to sound bitter, because at this point, I don't care to be involved with that. Um, I've got Bitcoiners helping me, and it's like a dream come true. We have uh, our ideas are aligned, so we have a creative freedom here that a lot of other people don't. Um, but yeah, it it is this way. It's sad, um, and it's it's not merit based. It's not even necessarily uh, business based. So they don't need to make money on a lot of films. A lot of films.
0: Surely. Like the economics of this stuff doesn't even make sense. A lot of these movies.
6: Yeah,
8: because
9: Alex, something. Um, you go ahead.
6: No, that's okay. Go ahead.
9: Well, Alex, I, something I was going to say. I don't know if you realize, but given your background, I think you'd find it very interesting. Is you know, every time you see a film that uh, features the U.S. military, like they are, they are very much involved. Um, and a lot of the times, like, they will have a say in, in, in what makes it on, on screen. You know, every, every film that, sh- that shows a fighter jet or an aircraft carrier, you know, this is, these, th- these are propaganda films that, you know, are an expression of American soft power. You know if you can if you can convince the world that going to war with us is not in your best interest by film it's a lot cheaper than doing it uh, for real um, so there's there's it, it's a very interesting marriage between uh, the US government and and the film industry in a lot of ways
6: yeah it's basically part of the information war and and this makes me think of like a lot of things when we were talk people uh, in this discussion were talking about uh, before we came on about politicians there seems to and this also relates into film there seems to be this idea that's difficult for people to let go of that other people are like them that they have good intentions or they have like intentions to make the world a better place a lot of them just don't they have an intention to better themselves and their family and just um at the expense of other people and in in film there is a lot of uh I guess, and just say it, say it like it's an information war. There's a lot of manipulation, a lot of um, propaganda that's there, not to disguise through entertainment, like Brecky saying. Like it's not well intentioned, is what I mean. I mean, it sounds conspiratorial, a little tinfoil hatty, but I've spent enough time trying. Like, I've I've worked with uh, people who are well known and. um you learn some things you know you you just realize oh well wow, it's not as clear-cut as i used to think i was like oh wow these filmmakers they just uh they're very talented and they're recognized and and that's how this all works it's how you build a career in it but it's not not really it's not that simple
9: so chris give us uh give us some optimism to close out tell us <laughs> tell us the story okay of the film <laughs> About uh, when is it coming out where should people go where should they follow you okay. Give us the whole spiel. I didn't
6: mean to be so negative I'm just in a, a mood yeah. I guess
9: uh, the fiat world's fault
6: yeah um, <laughs> the film the story is um, do you want to hear the story of the narrative of the movie I think that was the story Okay. so there's this Canadian professor The awesome. Canadian <laughs> professor in an Austrian Austrian, a Keynesian and Austrian walking into a bar. Yeah. Uh, the, and <laughs> they're friends. So there's two professors, economics professors, and they don't agree on anything at all. But they get along, and I think it's great that they get along. They're still able to be friends to a certain degree, but they always end up arguing. Anyway, uh, the Austrian professor, the older one, he disappears one day, and nobody knows what happened to him. The younger one gets... A mysterious email which is basically the older professor's dead man switch getting triggered and it asks him to distribute his wealth to his chosen heirs which is in the form of a set of cold cards and every cold card has like a question that only the recipient would know the answer to and that ends up being the pin to open it and then they can get their inheritance that way or their you know Get, get what he wants them to have that way. And so the younger professor who is going through th- some things in his life and he hates Bitcoin, he hates it, hates it, hates it. Uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to do this because I want to help uh, fulfill my friend's request, but also I want to see if I can find some clues and figure out what happened to him. Maybe I can solve this mystery. And that's basically what the film's about. He gets pulled into this Bitcoin the areas where the Bitcoin ethos resonates pretty high, and uh, he has to go, has to go th- through it and deal with all these Bitcoiners um, to fulfill his task.
0: <laughs> it's like it's like Keynesian economist hell. <laughs>
9: pretty much. <yeah. laughs> I think uh, the, the short of it is it's the Da Vinci Code, but with Bitcoin
6: okay yeah that's it's
0: fantastic i love that i love that idea I, um it's really cool that because that kind of stuff is very um what's the word it draws people in like i love stories like that where like there's a mystery about you know what is the what is the um the riddle that you must answer to unlock all of this incredible wealth and uh you'd only know it if you're a bitcoiner kind of thing am i tracking that pretty
8: good
6: yeah, there's, well, there's multiple levels. Like there's um, some things that everyone would recognize and then some things only Bitcoiners are going to uh, recognize, but yeah.
0: that is very cool. All right, let's open it up a little bit. If you're up here on the panel, you have questions uh, for Chris, let's go. Uh, if you're in the audience, you have questions for Chris. You're welcome to come up here. You can ask your question live. We promise we'll be kind to you. If you prefer to ask your question in text, you can do it in our Telegram group. That's t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. Our crew is monitoring that chat, so um, they'll bring those questions to my attention um, as we go here. I'm gonna. While we're waiting for some people to come up, it's a good chance to hit a couple of announcements real quick, and then we'll keep rolling. <clears throat> You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at uh, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for about two hours, talk about all things Bitcoin. It's a place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some really smart people who like to come and talk about Bitcoin. It is a podcast. It's up on Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you get your podcasts. You can throw me a follow or Swan Bitcoin. Be notified of when those drop. Um, mark your calendars. Uh, In November, the Pacific Bitcoin Conference is coming. If you want to get more information about the Pacific Bitcoin Conference, go to pacbitcoin.com. That is pacbitcoin.com. On that particular topic, Brecky, do you have anything you can share? Because I know you're, okay, for those of you who don't know, Brecky does run He's the head of Swan Studios for Swan, but he's also like one of these mad scientist guys. That's the way I think of it. Who comes up with all these crazy and wild ideas that nobody has the balls to even think of. But he's like one of these super creative types that thinks way outside the box. Is also part of like the scheming for what's going to happen at Pacific Bitcoin Conference. Is there anything you can tell us about the scheming? Like what are what's going on that people might be interested in there? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what I, can I
3: say, know. I can it. I can say there are there's a lot of talk of sporting sports going on. So get ready to, you know, maybe play some volleyball, maybe play some basketball. Uh, that's that's going to be a huge part of it. We're uh, really embracing, you know, surf Southern California surf culture, just being outside and uh, and being active, and having that be um, you know part of the celebration process. Can you set up a shuffleboard embracing... uh,
7: game for us oldies?
0: <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have a lawn darts I'm sure for you,
3: Peter. Perhaps I'm a croquet, trying to... a croquet game.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm pushing. I'm pushing for paint, paintball, or airsoft. So those of you who like to do that kind of stuff, I don't know if that's yeah. actually going to happen. But I mean, there's a lot, a lot of ability in that. I guess, Cro- but.
7: croquet like bridge is a vicious game played by really vicious old people.
3: Alex, if you want to be a part of like helping helping to do like a satellite event or something, we could definitely do a satellite uh, paintball paintball match. I know some places in the area.
0: All right. We'll consider. All right, Let's get back to the Bitcoin executor and uh, this amazing feature film that they're developing. Um, Really cool concept, by the way, if you want to go check out the Bitcoin executors, the Bitcoin executor.com. I noticed that one of the things on the site is the national debt clock. And uh, they've got a, they got a teaser up there. Talk to us about the National Debt Clock, Chris. How are you incorporating that if you, if you can't if you can do it without like doing spoilers. I'm curious about that.
6: <laughs> the National Debt Clock's awesome. Um if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's in the Bank of America building near Times Square. Uh did you know that they're going to have to make it bigger pretty soon? There's not enough They're going to not enough space for all the trillions of dollars.
0: There's not enough digits. The amount of money that each individual family share is is gonna exceed the size of the, the digits available soon.
6: Yes. Yeah, so I from what I've heard, they have a new design in the works that's gonna be future-proof. I mean, <laughs> if it's gonna be future-proof, they're gonna have to have like infinite digits available. But um yeah, for now. They're going to run out pretty soon once so it hits a hundred trillion. But anyway, yeah. So the, the national debt clock is just a, a thing that, um, has moved around Manhattan. And, um, I forget the name of the guy who came up with it, but he was concerned about the debt, obviously he wanted people to, to be more aware of it. And I think it's effective. Like, um, when you see it, it's massive, and you can't help but to think about how every second there's just like this ticking of money, this insane amount of money that's being spent. Like, I mean, it's not literally being spent that second, but you get the idea of like, the accumulation of debt that we're all going to be burned with in some way. And it just keeps going. And then I like to relate that to the, the block size, you know, like, the block height at the moment these two clocks moving in opposite directions that mean completely op. that have uh opposite intentions really one enslaves you and one uh promotes uh, economic freedom and they're both every second every few minutes they're both chugging away That's all I got to say about the dead clock.
9: Hey folks, I've got to run, but I just want to say thank you for having me and uh give the Bitcoin executor a follow. Get excited for the film and uh chat soon. Thanks, Cafe Bitcoin. Thanks, Alex.
0: You bet, Brecky. Catch you later brother. Thanks,
9: Brecky.
6: John, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I got a question. um yeah, I think I think we actually met in Miami. Um at, at the Miami Bitcoiners meetup a while back. I remember hearing about hearing about the film. It's really cool to see how things have developed so far. Um, wondering what the process has been like for you uh, dealing with, because uh, in sourcing talent and gathering um, the kinds of people that you, that you want and need for a project like this, um, and in terms of like particularly around like actors and actresses is that are are you dealing primarily with people who are bitcoiners who understand it is, is that even a part of the equation for you like what has been yeah, what's that process been like for
2: you
6: cool hey john it's good to good to hear from you um yeah so that's a good question uh we moved the production from New York City, where I've been living, mostly the past decade and a half, to uh, Miami. And this has a lot to do with just having some foresight into where we think we could finish it, because New York has just been unpredictable uh, with all the regulations, and I was running into a lot of issues uh, with hoops that we had to jump through just to, to make a film. But in New York, there's plenty of actors. Um, I know a lot of actors up there, and uh, casting is so much easier. When you move to Miami, there's less people and there's less actors. And, yeah, it's been challenging. If so you happen to be in Miami and you're actor and actress, or you're, um, and you're into Bitcoin, or you're into filmmaking, just get in touch. We want to hear from you. There's an email address on our site but um what we've been we've been doing is uh our leads are flying in from other places so our lead actor who's a, a good friend of mine his name's amari cheatham uh, we fly him in and he's um based in atlanta currently but he went from Ju- he went to juilliard in new york and we met there and then um mike Rudko who's a juilliard professor is the, the austrian uh, character, Austrian economics professor character, and we're flying him in from New York. Um, so yeah, like a lot of the lead actors in some of the supporting roles were just flying in and a lot of them are actually Bitcoiners too, so um, we've got I don't know if any of you knew Prem in Miami he's going to have a cameo role a little role and uh, we've got a number of other Bitcoiners who are going to have small cameos um, yeah, so we're trying to get as many Bitcoiners involved as possible, but it is, it is a challenge. It is a challenge to to make something in a new place with not a huge talent pool.
0: Well, let's get the word out. Throw these guys a follow, and uh, let's get them supported. Let's do the thing, you know, the Bitcoiner thing, the get-on-the-mission thing. Do the thing, guys. I want to say good morning to Corey Clipson, CEO of Swan. How are you doing, Corey?
3: Hey, good morning, everybody.
8: Morning.
6: Yeah, we'd well, like to give a shout out to Swan. Thank you, guys, for supporting us. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Brecky. Thank you, Swan. Thank you, Alex.
0: You bet, man. That's all part of the deal. It's all part of I'm part sick. of that. Get on the mission. Get this word out to the next ten million Bitcoiners. Let's do this thing. Uh, D, by the way, is up here with CoinKite. CoinKite, I believe, is also um, involved in helping you guys do this.
6: Yes, thank you, CoinKite. Uh, we have a lot of CoinKite stuff as props in the film.
8: Awesome, man. I'm assuming you've been talking with uh, C Funk. C Funk.
6: We've been talking with NVK.
8: Oh, MVK. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Something from our team. Cool, awesome, man. Yeah, glad to
6: uh, glad to hear it. Yeah, um, just getting a hardware wallet because it's such a central prop in the film has been an interesting journey in itself. Um, but we're super happy where we um, landed with CoinKite. The cold card is awesome. And this is kind of interesting. It's like a, a little interesting side note here is our so our main character our main actor uh amari Cheatham, who i mentioned he's so he's been a good friend of mine and and i was thinking about him as the lead for a while and i sent him the script and he's like okay i'll check it out and he disappeared for a few months was just him in the script and i was like oh, i wonder what's going what's going on with amari what's what's he doing I haven't heard from him for a bit i couldn't find him he comes back to me he's like I'm totally orange pilled he's he's like I got a cold card and um I'm learning about all the stuff I'm in so it was like the script got him to become a Bitcoiner on his own and he went in and did it all himself that's awesome
8: man love to hear it yeah I mean sounds sounds like it's a good script i am looking forward to to watching it uh is it uh, more of like a is it going to be on a YouTube or is it going to be, um, you know, like a, like on DVD or, I mean, DVDs a lot. <laughs> I don't know if it's DVD, but you,
6: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like streaming service or something like that. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to play by year, And um, as we get closer to completion, one path will make more sense than another. But um, I have a feeling releasing this independently will be, Will get more eyes than like sometimes when you get a distribution deal. uh, They might just it might get buried in in market marketing planning for months or like they want you to do a festival circuit or something like that. Uh, Or they might just only release it on select platforms and then it gets buried if somebody doesn't like it, so we may um, release it independently, but if anybody out there has connections to distributors we would be happy to talk to them in advance. Uh, But we would love it if people, if Bitcoiners like the movie when it's done, if they wanted to spread the word, that would be, in my mind, the best scenario. Just word of mouth. Are we going to find a way to get you guys a showing in in Los Angeles in November around the Pacific Bitcoin Conference? Is it going to be ready? It won't be done by then, but we will have, we do have clips and scenes already, uh, clips already ready to show. Well, let's definitely find a way to show some trailers or something like that. We can put it on
3: a big screen at the conference in LA. Yeah,
6: for sure. That'd be awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Coordinate with uh, with Brecky on that. We'll get it done. Okay. Sounds great.
0: Also, when you get closer to launch, um, make sure you ping us. We'll bring you back on Cafe Bitcoin and we'll help you promote the launch
6: okay let's do it this all sounds great let's go let's fucking go
0: all right uh, any oh, other sorry. questions for Chris about uh, about the movie that he's making any other thoughts, comments again you can ask a question in the telegram group that's t.me forward slash cafe bitcoin club t.me forward slash cafe bitcoin club happy to field your questions
8: yeah just wondering maybe um you know you don't have to go into too much detail but uh you know kind of like you got like a budget you know i'm sure you know you're probably um at least compensating you know actors in a way um whether that's through bitcoin or um fiat like are you paying them in bitcoin are you paying them in fiat you know stuff like that i guess
6: funny you should ask there's actually something big coming out uh soon where um i can't say it yet but uh Bitcoin, no, a pay me in Bitcoin scenario uh, will be announced shortly. But um, we are funded to make the movie because you can make a movie under different budget constraints. And so we've reached our minimum budget. uh, So the movie will be made and it's Bitcoin or funded. And if anybody else out there wants to get involved in the investment side uh, or even like just contributing side, get in touch. Um, we can use all the help we can get in that area and uh, some of the we're we're paying in fiat for most of the actors but everybody's getting paid that's not completely voluntary unless some people have just said we don't I don't want to get paid I just want to help but we are mostly paying in fiat actually but there has been some requests to get paid in bitcoin which we will fulfill
8: yeah awesome yeah no i was, I was just uh, just curious that's awesome and uh where where exactly are you guys filming uh,
6: mostly so that story takes place in new york city in upstate new york in miami and we no that's it go ahead
8: I was going to say, I'd love to be uh, a guy in the background, you know, just walk in and be like, hey, that's me. But, uh, you know, I, I'm in Canada, so I can't, can't get down there. But uh, I wish you luck, man. I wish you luck. Look, sounds sounds great, and I look forward to uh, listening or uh, watching, actually.
6: Thank you. Um, if you're in Miami, you want to be an extra, hit us up. If you're a Bitcoiner in Miami, you're into film, hit us up.
3: Yeah, just show you a message as well with uh, my co-host for the Miami, Miami Bitcoiner's meetup. And it'd be great to do like a little fireside chat um, with him and uh, all the other Miamian local Miamians. I'm sure there's a little bit of a talent pool there. We're, we're we're all a little weird, but you know, maybe maybe some of us would be good.
6: Definitely into it. <laughs> yeah, like we're the background. Looking for also hands on deck like you want to help out on set, hit us up. I'd be happy to meet up with you um, guys and do a fireside chat. That sounds awesome. Cool. So Daniel and Ross, my uh, business partner in this project, is also in Miami. And um, give a shout out to Daniel. I don't think he's gotten up on stage yet. I don't know if uh, you guys have seen his requests. But um, anyway, Daniel's in Miami. uh, So... We're, we're working on this thing together down here. I haven't step. seen his
0: requests, but Daniel, if you want to shoot me a, a DM, and um, that way I can identify you and I can give you a follow. For some weird reason, the way these spaces work is sometimes you don't show up in the um, in the attendees in the room unless we follow you or you follow us or whatever. It gives some kind of weird priority to who you actually see. But yeah, and if you want to shoot a request, I've been watching for it. I want to make a quick shout-out to um, Mackenzie Sigalos out in the audience with uh, CNBC, Crypto World. She did a show with uh, Corey uh, a couple of days ago. It was released on um, the Lummis-Gillibrand bill. So uh, props to you for that. Um, If you don't know, Mackenzie covers um, Bitcoin and other stuff, but... uh, yeah, shoot her a follow so you can be notified of, of when that kind of stuff comes out. She's there in the audience. we got about four minutes left in the show, so let's move towards closing comments. If you're up here on the panel and you have any final questions or closing comments, let's go with that. Um, and then we will give Chris an opportunity to make any final comments. He would like to make um, a quick question from the audience for those of you who missed it. The Bitcoin executor, if I'm saying it right, is it executor?
6: It's whatever you want it to be. It can be executor. No, it's executor. It, but it, it is also what you want it to be.
0: Okay. That's the uh, thebitcoinexecutor.com. Somebody was asking about what the name of the film was. I don't believe that there's a release date yet. But uh, coming up soon, let's keep an eye on it. Throw these guys a follow to be notified.
6: So um, on our website, there's a a teaser. So we have uh, quite a bit of material shot and edited and um, you can watch a short teaser there. And you also, I I should mention the uh, soundtrack is original and it's composed by this electronic music duo named Plaid and they're on Warp Records um, in the UK. And uh, they're incredibly talented, and they designed the score or composed the score for the preview, um, which we're super happy with.
0: Yeah, for those of you who requested to come up today, and we didn't see it, I don't know what's going on with spaces today. Like we're not really seeing those notifications, so it's, it's been a bit just buggy sometimes, speak, yeah. yeah, been a bit buggy.
8: Yeah, sorry I came to the conversation a little late, but uh, yeah, thanks, executor, for uh, letting us uh, get, let us uh, get into this uh, kind of video movie uh, stuff and give us a little deep dive. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know, there's not a lot of Bitcoin movies out there, so uh, it hopefully it's good, man. Looking forward to it.
6: Thank you for having us. It's great to talk Perfect. to all of you about what we're working on. We've been putting so much into it, and we're really happy with, uh, with where we're ending up and how and the, and the response we've been getting.
0: All right, so that's pretty much it for the show. We're running up towards the end of it. Um, Chris, go ahead if you want to make some final comments or anything you want to plug. Um, you're welcome to do that, and then we will move to wrap.
8: Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Uh, it's been awesome listening to this. Uh, Bitcoin exe- uh, executor. Uh, I know we have a couple people from Bitcoin Magazine that are based in Miami, so I'll have them reach out to you, potentially about being part of the production. I think it'd be cool and be something interesting to collaborate with on. Um, The only other thing for me is uh, Bitcoin Magazine Live running at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Rumble, and Twitch. Um, And we were having Eric Yates, the author of The Seventh Property, Bitcoin and the Monetary Revolution, so the author of that. We're going to have news and notes with myself, P, and Q. And then we will also be talking to Jimmy Song about his latest article and fiat marriages. So very interesting episode today. Definitely check it out. That's it for me.
0: Right on. Fantastic. I love Eric Yakes. The dude is really cool. I like the way he thinks. I like the way he communicates too. One of my faves. Uh, Chris with uh, Bitcoin Executor, any final comments you want to make?
6: Just another round of thank yous to everybody. And um, I do want to say, like, if you're hungry for some Bitcoin content right now and you have not seen the rise and rise of Bitcoin, that is available for free, absolutely free on YouTube. And that was uh, a project, um, past project of Daniel and Ross who I'm working with on the Bitcoin executor. He and his brother um, made the rise and rise of Bitcoin, which I think is one of the best, if not the best Bitcoin documentary that's out there. It's kind of a time capsule, highly, highly recommended. And also check right out on. The bitcoinexecutor.com if you want more information about our project.
0: Also, guys, throw this dude to follow. Support him. He's on the mission. Do the Bitcoiner thing. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday, start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Roll for two hours. Talk about all things Bitcoin. It is the place to get your morning news. Preferred hangout hang out for some of the smartest minds in Bitcoin and chill. Talk about what's going on. Also, a podcast up on Spotify, Apple. Everywhere you get your podcasts, you can throw myself a follow or Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when those drop. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine, sponsors of the show, my crew. Aunt Shane, Sats for Life, producer Jacob, who is currently on his honeymoon, comes back next week. Thanks to the speakers, as always, Chris, everybody who comes and hangs out on a regular basis for what you do. Bringing this bright orange future to the masses. I admire you guys for that. I appreciate it. I'm your host, Alex Stanzik. I work with Swan Bitcoin. If you want to know more about Swan, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to help you. And then finally, get on the mission, guys. You don't know what that means? Hang out. You will figure it out. Love all you guys. Everybody go out there. Have a great day today. Crush it.